Power Hour. Coal. Oil. Natural gas. Power Hour, the show where today's top energy experts break down today's top energy issues. No sound bites, no talking points, no nonsense, no BS, no softball questions, no vagueness, just in-depth analysis and ruthless clarity. Here's your host, Alex Epstein. Welcome to Power Hour. I'm your host, Alex Epstein. On this week's episode, we're going to be talking about the new documentary, Frack Nation, which premiered yesterday as I recorded this. I'm recording this on Wednesday uh, on Access TV and has been shown in theaters around the country before that. Now, I got to attend Frack Nation, which, in case it isn't obvious from the name, is a movie about hydraulic fracturing, or as it's commonly known, fracking. Uh, so I was there uh, with uh, CIP's Eric Dennis and Michelle Riley, and many other friends of ours were in attendance at the New York premiere. I happened to be on the East Coast, and that was really fun. Um, I really, as you'll you'll get a sense of during the interview, I really enjoyed the movie, and I think that it's really good that somebody finally took a good journalistic look at what is such an important technology for the future of this country, and yet has been looked at from almost an entirely negative light. And in effect, we've been given this, not given, I mean, certain people have created this amazing technology and, and allowed us to have the this stone thousands of feet beneath our feet be turned into this wondrous energy source. And all we can do is listen to um, you know, sociopaths like Josh Fox of Gasland and serial liars, uh, also including Josh Fox of Gasland, who make up all kinds of bizarre claims about how this technology, which exists 5,000 feet below the earth, is somehow uh, causing natural gas to pass through thousands of feet of solid rock and contaminate water. Anyway, Frack Nation deals with a lot of these issues, and it deals with a lot of them well. So on this episode, we are going to bring in one of the co-directors of Frack Nation. And the most famous co-directors are Anne and Philem, the very, very uh, entertaining and outspoken and good-spirited couple from Ireland who are famous for this movie and Mind Your Own Business, and a couple of other documentaries. Uh, but we're going to bring on someone else. We're going to bring on the third co-director, uh, Magda Segira. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, and Magda's very interesting. She was she was a part of the movie. She did a lot of the interviews, um, on the on the ground interviews, interviewing the people um, who are actually introducing hydraulic fracturing in their communities found things very, very different from what Josh Fox allegedly found. Found isn't the right word, but uh, what Josh um, uh, concocted. And she herself has a really interesting perspective because she wasn't born in the U.S. She was born in Poland. And I think that gives her real appreciation of what's uniquely good about this country and how bad it is that certain people are taking it for granted and trying to uh, destroy it. So uh, it's going to be a great interview. Stick around and I'll see you on the other side. Power Hour. 
because what you don't know about energy can kill you. Here's Alex Epstein. Alex Epstein here to introduce you to the Progressive Energy Project. What is the Progressive Energy Project? Well, Progressive Energy is my new book coming out in the second quarter of 2013. And it's of particular interest to Power Hour listeners because it gives you and your friends and anyone else you want to influence, I think, a really, really effective tool, which is a book, a manifesto about the knowledge of energy that you get from Power Hour, but also the philosophy, the unique big picture perspective that you get from Power Hour. Now, the reason why we have Power Hour is because it's so important to get you know, a detailed uh, understanding, but also a big picture understanding of issues like fracking, coal, nuclear, etc. But not everyone has time to listen to an hour podcast every week. And even if they do, it can be hard to put it all together. And that's what progressive energy does. Progressive energy is my term for the power hour philosophy of energy, for the Center for Industrial Progress philosophy of energy. And that's why I'm creating a book. Uh, now, creating a book costs a lot of time, costs a lot of money, and therefore, we have an offer for you. If you give $50 to the progressive energy project, when the book comes out, you will get a signed, and if you want it, personalized uh, copy of the book. In the meantime, you'll get my new ebook, Fossil Fuels Improve the Planet, uh, which just came out and I think is pretty cool. Welcome back to Power Hour. We are joined by Magda Sagetta. Magda, did I get that right? Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, from the... Uh, one of the three, uh, are you one of the producers? What's your title? I, I messed up. Co-director. Co-director. So one of the three co-directors of the new and hopefully hit documentary, Frack Nation. Magda, welcome. Thank you for having Okay, so um, some of you are familiar with the show or just follow CIP. You've probably heard of Frack Nation if, uh, if you haven't. Well, I guess Magda can tell you. Magda, where's the best place for them to, to learn about this documentary and, and how can they see it? Well, it just premiered last night on Access TV at 9 p.m. and we had a great feedback from everyone who saw it. Um, it's going to be aired again this Saturday at 11 a.m. Uh, Eastern Time. And we also launched a website, uh, fracknation.com. And if anyone wants to have their very own copy of Fractation, they can go there and, and buy it. Okay, and just, just for reference for the people listening, we're recording this on Wednesday, January 23rd. It's going to be released Thursday, January 24th, and so the Saturday time to look for is... Uh, January, January 26th. Is January 26th. Uh, okay, great. So... This is a movie about fracking. Uh, I was fortunate enough to attend the premiere in New York where I saw Magda and I saw Anne and Philip, the other co-directors. Um, it was a lot of fun. A lot of different people showed up, including some uh, protesters, one of whom I, I got to discuss fracking with on tape in a bar, which is always always fun. Um, and there was some lively discussion from both supporters and uh, opponents uh, of fracking. But stepping back, Magna, how did you get into this issue in the first place? 
Well, I, I've been working with Van den Film uh, for a while now. Uh, before I worked on their previous documentary, Native Blue Just Wrong, which is about uh, the global warming hysteria, addressing some of the, the claims uh, made by the environmental movement um, and their leader, Al Gore. Um, and then we, we got interested in this topic, and myself and Film decided to go to Chicago to screening of Gasland, uh, where Josh Fox was doing a Q&A afterwards. And um, we researched this issue before, and Philem uncovered that um, there is a lot of um, evidence um, that this very scary image that Josh Fox uh, included in his documentary and that traveled all over the internet and made many people very afraid of fracking, the, the image of the flaming faucet, uh, is something that's very questionable. So um, we went to that screening and um, I was filming film when he stood up and he asked Josh Fox um, about the fact that there is evidence that there was methane, um, this flammable gas, in the water supplies in Pennsylvania a long time before fracking ever started. Uh, Josh Fox you know, was trying to dodge the question for, for a while. And then finally he said that he decided not to include that in his documentary Gasland uh, because he found it irrelevant. Well, we didn't feel the same way. We, we thought that was a very relevant piece of information and we got very interested in this topic and that's how it all started. Yeah, the, the water thing is, I I find a reflection of how ignorant we are of science and technology that that's regarded as so alarming that just out of context that someone can light, you know, that they turn on their faucet and that they can light it on fire. I mean, historically, if you look at bodies of water in the United States, there are many that were flammable weather, you know, from, and in some cases it was just, you know, they dumped oil there, but it was, it wasn't regarded as this mortal threat. The mortal threat was not using oil, not using uh, gas. And certainly you've been able to light your, your water on fire for a long time in different places with natural amounts of methane. So it's just as a side note, it's, it's really, it's striking that people find that, that like, that's the scary thing. I mean, what would be really scary. And this is a, a transition to another aspect of Fox's movie is that the, the claims he makes more about, Oh, this is causing cancer. This is making everyone deformed. I mean, those are actually at least scary. What did you, what did you find out when studying that range of claims? Um, well, we, you know, of course we, we went to where fracking has been happening for a while and talked to the people there and we talked to, uh, public officials there and, uh, those claims are just not true. Uh, you know, they're not only exaggerated, they're just, they're just incorrect. Um, there isn't a widespread, um, you know, cancer outbreaks uh, caused by fracking. That that just it's there's there's absolutely no evidence of that wherever you look. Um, but those are, as you say, those are very very scary claims, and and people who want to um, you know live long and protect their families uh, will will get worried about things like that. But um, those claims are just incorrect. We went, you know, we we to places like, for example, Dish, Texas, which um, Josh um, includes in his movie, and he claims that there is a terrible, um, you know, air pollution there. 
And we spoke to the local EPA in Texas. We spoke to the, sorry, that's the Texas Commission on Environmental Quality, which is the largest uh, environmental agency after the EPA. And uh, they've done numerous testing there and they have not discovered anything uh, that would be worrying to them. Uh, we also went to places in Pennsylvania. Farmers were lucky enough to be able to lease their land um, f- a few years ago. And uh, they're living right to the uh, natural gas wells. And uh, they are, they're not observing anything wrong with their water. They're not observing anything wrong with their animals or their own health. Um, but, but fracking is also something that's important to, to remember is that fracking is not a new technology, which is what the anti-fracking activists claim. It's been around for a long time and it's been done everywhere uh, very intensively, for example, in Texas for a long time now. So if there were, if there was this, um, this widespread terrible destruction in public health caused by fracking, there would be some evidence about it and there is none. Yeah, that's an interesting issue, I think, because, I don't know, I'm I'm of two minds on that, because on the one hand, I mean, you can say it's not new, but there's also, there can also be an irrational fear of the new. I mean, I think the issue is that it's it's understood, and in part it's because we have lots of historical evidence, but at the same time, they are doing fracking in new ways. That's that's why it's it's so much more productive. Now. That's why you can do it with shale, for example, that, you know, they make innovations, they're better at horizontal drilling. I think the, the thing that's really striking is that you have this body of evidence and you have a really strong theoretical understanding of exactly why it's one of the safer human activities that one can do. I mean, for instance, you're just, you're doing it at a depth that's so far beyond the water table that that nothing about the fracturing occurring is going to affect the water table. How do people, I guess, well, two questions. Do the people you meet in, um, like the people who support this or who have it on their land, how well do, I'll just ask this, how well do they understand just the mechanics of this and why it's, why it's so beneficial, including that it's, it's very high safety. That's a very, that's a very good question. And, and, um, uh, you know, it's, it's ironic that, uh, Josh Fox, um, you know, in his movie, um, he's, uh, c- created this image for himself as being the protector of the people of the land who are just being, um, exploited by the companies and hurt by them. And he's, he's just, he's their voice and he's protecting them. Well, when we went to those places, we, we uncovered the exact opposite of that. Um, you know, it's, it's, um, it's ironic that Josh, um, thinks that people who have, uh, interacted with the, with the land, with the water for generations, and they actually live right there. Um, and work with those resources that they would not understand and not research and not do everything uh, uh, possible to ensure um, that they're not, not um, you know, destroying their environment that they're working in. Uh, because that's, that's the conclusion that you could draw from, from Josh Fox's movie. You know, he's, it's, you know, it's not for the farmers to, to know how to deal with uh, the industry coming in. It's, um, you know, it's for someone who's a theater director in New York to come and tell them, uh, you know, that they're being exploited. So this is not what we're doing. You know, we're going there and we're talking to the farmers and we, uh, we were actually extremely impressed um, 
in the interviews. You know, the film just shows a very small segment of that, obviously, of all the conversations that we had. We were very impressed in how organized, how, you know, uh, forward, far-looking, and how um, informed the farmers are. Uh, they understand very well, you know, their business. Their business is growing uh, food and raising animals. They know that they cannot do that without water. So the water resources that they have will be something that they care about deeply. It's not something that they're just going to, um, you know, put at risk. So when, when the industry, um, you know, started coming in and, and leasing the land at a larger scale, again, this has been done before, but fracking made it uh, much bigger, they, they organized themselves, they formed associations, they went to classes at universities, they had experts coming in and talking to them. So they do have understanding of what happens when, uh, when they lease their land. They know about, you know, how they're going to drill, they, know, they choose where they're going to drill, and they work with the companies, you know, on every aspect of what's going to happen from, you know, the location where they're going to drill to how the roads are going to go through their fields uh, for the trucks to, um, you know, to get to the, to the drilling site. Um, so they are very, very well informed uh, on the topic. Yeah, well, that's, I think that's such an important point. I, I've actually never heard that point to that extent until now. And, and, I'm glad to know it because it, what it really highlights, I think, is that how productive and intelligent both parties are, both the people, you know, who own the land um, when those are separate people, you know, and the people who are leasing the land and drilling it. Both of them are trying to engage in something very beneficial, namely generating energy on top of this land while maximizing the other benefits from the land, including the water supply and its agricultural potential. And they both have a complete legal and financial interest in doing this as well and as safely as possible. And then you've got, on the outside of that, Josh Fox, who's got this morality play view of existence where industry is evil and individuals besides him are idiots. Um, it's just, well, they... What's going to happen is they're going to somehow scam these guys and offer them money and take some evil substance out and their water is going to light on fire. He's just a complete ignoramus, whereas they know they know the details of when water lights on fire and why. And in the movie, you see people, just normal people saying, yeah, of course, you know, sometimes methane gets in the water because that's that's just the nature of of um you know, how you can drill certain water wells or being in certain geographical locations. Whereas Josh Fox is on the premise of, oh my gosh, I can connect industry to water lighting on fire. Let's make a movie to shut the whole enterprise down, impoverish these people and destroy the companies. Well, that's uh, exactly. And, it's, you know, it's very unfortunate uh, just what um, uh, impact Gaslan had um, on this issue um, you know, we one of the stories in the movie um, is a story of NWPOA, which is um, Northern Wayne Property Owners Association, um, which um, unites farmers from counties in the Delaware River Basin. Um, it's Northern Wayne and uh, Delaware 
and also Sullivan County, which is a separate association, but because that's in that's in New York, so they have their own issues to deal with. But um, we go there, and and that it's it's a very it's a very moving and poignant story because those farmers did something incredible. When the industry uh, started coming in, they formed this association, which is a very large association. It has a lot of um, land and and very many farming families as members and. They um, decided uh, that they would like to, you know, create something that's very, you know, very solid, very long term, very thought through. So they actually, um, you know, gathered the resources. They don't have much, but everyone put something into the hat and they hired um, um, a law firm. Um, and they, um, you know, as they educated themselves um, on the on the subject and they um they actually negotiated the lease. They co-wrote the lease that they um, eventually signed with the with the gas company. It was a long process. They were, you know, they were looking at different um, aspects of the lease, and they weren't just trying to get as much money possible at all. They they traded some of the uh, you know financial benefits for for some other you know environmental um, benefits that they wanted to include, um, and they created this document. Uh, which both sides were very happy with. And the gas company actually thought that it was so good that they were going to present it to other, um, you know, other farmers, other communities as something that they, you know, uh, potentially could use. And so they were all ready to go. Um, and um, and then Gasland happened. And everything just stopped because the um, Delaware River Basin Commission uh, put a moratorium uh, not to uh, f- uh, allow fracking anywhere near the Delaware River Basin. So those farmers now, for years, for this is few years now, where they 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 have this brilliant document. Uh, they had this relationship with a gas company that they selected for themselves, and they just cannot move forward in any way. And that's what Josh Fox did to them. Now I would, well, if anyone has the stomach for it, I'd encourage you to watch Gasland because it's it's very hard, even if I tell you to understand how bad this isn't, and I mean bad in every respect you could imagine some pictures and sound on a screen being bad. I mean, factually, of course, I mean, it's, it just contains numerous fabrications, but the whole thing is just completely implausible in terms of it's just like this, allegedly just this random guy on his land, which isn't even true, but, you know, he he gets a letter in the mail one day and they're asking him to lease his property to drill, and he senses there's something wrong with that, and he goes on this fact-finding mission, and it turns out that every single person where they're doing this fracking is getting sick and dying, even though you yourself have never heard of this happening to anyone you've ever met, and you don't read it in the newspapers, and it's just this sort of ridiculously implausible thing. And what strikes me is that, that, this, that this is allowed to interfere with this really rational benevolent process you're talking about and that these agencies are making decisions on the basis of of gas land for god's sake was that i mean so how politically influential was this just complete cartoon of a documentary um well yeah as i said you know it's it's just it has enormous impact and consequences and that's very sad and um we've seen that actually that gas land is being used you know 
as a documentary and you know in fact it should it should be treated as a work of fiction but it's it's used as, as some some kind of you know actual reporting and it's being um, you know recommended and it's being used um, you know in in the department in public by public officials as something that is to educate them and others wait, wait, about really, fracking because really? even if even if it's a like for instance i think frack nation is frack nation is a real documentary but that's not the kind of resource that a public official should use i mean not officially you can use it to but even a good documentary, I mean, you're supposed to study something systematically if you're a public official, you know, with real research documents that are, you know, that have a system. I mean, a documentary is by its nature supposed to be entertaining and, and has to be selective. I mean, so any that any documentary is is being used as a prime educational tool, let alone uh, a farce is, is well, outrageous, I think. Yeah, yeah. You would think that that the public officials who whose role is to protect the interests of the people that are actually uh, you know paying for their jobs would be you know to educate themselves in a more um, you know in a better manner than that. But but um, we we've seen uh, and we've heard this is not something that we put into fragmentation. You just can't do everything. But um, people who uh, who contacted uh, some of the agencies, um, some of the local agencies for information about fracking when they wanted to learn or had, had some concerns on that topic were uh, told to watch Gasland. So it, that, it, that's, that's shocking. That's the least pleasant fact I've learned today. <laughs> so there was the pleasant fact about, about just the depth of the thoughtfulness of the landowners and then that we've devolved to the point where where gasland is a real resource i mean if anything if you i mean if i were running one of these departments i would i would prohibit anyone from watching gasland in the same way that i would um you know you don't want certain kinds of i mean you can't really prohibit someone but certainly in the office you don't want your if you're in a scientific office, you can't just allow a propaganda any more than you know the you know the um I don't know I, an analogy is not striking me, but it doesn't need an analogy it's so it's so ridiculous to just you're studying the impact on groundwater and you are giving this um hoax an effect from someone who who is not trying to who do, like who doesn't understand the issue and is a combination of completely clueless and a serial liar and obviously out to make a name for himself. I mean, one perspective on this is like, who the hell was Josh Fox? I mean, what is his, like, what does he have to contribute? He's not intelligent. I mean, he's not <laughs> anything. No, no, I mean, I'm serious. He has no, he's not even a, he's not even like a bad scholar or scholar with the wrong ideas. He's just, you know, a guy with a camera who saw that there was a potential to, to make up this hoax and make a name uh, for himself. I mean, even if it was like, uh, you know, if they had done it with like James Hansen, at least that guy has a, you know, a semi-real job. <laughs> so what is, what is, I guess I should ask, what is Fox's background? Because in the movie, it's just, he's a peaceful farmer whose life <laughs> and the lives around him is interrupted by this, uh, unwanted offer to give him money to drill on his land. 
Well, none of that, none of that is true. So, you know, it's it's interesting that the very premise, you know, the very start of of Gasland is um, is not true. That's 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 the that's his starting point. You know, so you can you can imagine where he goes from there. He actually um, is um, theater based, uh, sorry, New York based theater director who's made some avant garde type of movies before. And his claim um, to being, you know, part of this of this issue is that um, his parents had had a small piece of land um, in Pennsylvania, and that's where they vacationed, or that's where they they lived for a while in the past. And um, so, you know, that's uh, that's fine. But but the way he starts the movie is that, you know, he, he lives there. He res- lives right there in this farming community in Pennsylvania. And and one one day, as you said, and one day he gets um, he gets a lease in the post and he opens it. And there is this great offer from the gas company. But he wonders, you know, is this true? Is this too good to be true? And that that sets him on on his journey. Well, we, when we went there, when we talked to the farmers, we discovered something very interesting that you know about because you saw the movie. Uh, that 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 premise is not not true. He did not get that lease in the post from a gas company. That lease is a document that I already told you about that was created by the farmers by the NWPOA association for themselves, and that actually we're proving we're showing that um, in the document because. Unfortunately for George Fox, the the lease that he used in Gasland, he hold he held it up to the camera, and there's a close-up of the text, and it was a draft um, of the farmer's lease. And in that draft, there were a couple of typos. There was like a double, a missing quotation mark, and a double spacing, and uh, that is the text. And and those those typos are visible on camera in Gasland. So what he did was he basically stole. The farmers' lease. I mean, he took that document, that draft that was circulating in the community, and he used it in his film, um, telling untrue story about how the gas company sent him that document uh, to basically get his land for money. Yeah, that's that. One thing that's striking about all of this is there's very, very little interest in what a scumbag Josh Fox. Is and I almost never. I don't think I've ever called anyone a scumbag uh, <laughs> on this show. So it's it's. Um, I mean, not even Bill McKibben, um, but because I mean, at least McKibben makes real argue. I mean, he makes arguments. He writes books. Um, I wouldn't call him honest, but you know, he's he's sort of putting forward something remotely coherent. Whereas Fox is just more of a nihilist who's just attacking something blindly and. Uh, and ignorantly, and yet, the, not only has he become a celebrity, but there's just expose after expose of what's wrong with him. I mean, you know, he's a pathological liar, among other things, and that deters none of his supporters remotely. And it doesn't d- deter McKibben, incidentally, from being best buds with him and you know doing presentations with him in uh, L.A. We'll talk about your role in that in a, in a second. Uh, but I think what it, what it highlights to me, just for the CIP audience, is the issue of like of the moral high ground and why if, if fracking is seen as at best a necessary evil or maybe an unnecessary evil, then anyone who crusades against it is going to be seen as having the moral upper hand. And 
and his flaws will be kind of ignored as, okay, well, everyone, nobody's perfect, but at least his heart is in the right place. But if we view energy production as fundamentally moral and anyone who, who opposes it, you know, in general as, as immoral, as, as fundamentally harmful to human life, then it's compl- then, I mean, Fox's, uh, immorality uh, on a more narrow level is, is obvious and, and should be highlighted. So I just think it's striking that, that no, because he's viewed as having a moral goal, which is namely to destroy the most important technology of our time, that he is, he is completely excused. And I mean, really, I'm trying to think of, uh, of like an analogy to, have you ever read The Fountainhead? Yes, I have. He kind of reminds me of, like, he's a, I mean, the only thing I can come close to is, like, Gus Webb, who's this uh, architect at the end who has absolutely nothing to offer anyone, and he's Mm. the ultimate, he's like the culmination of the culture that is celebrating the inferior um, and, and I mean, I think it's actually a little bit mean to Gus Webb to compare him to Josh Fox. <laughs> but Gus but, is also enormously successful as as is Josh. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. But and it's that nobody cares that he's. A, I mean, they're both certainly scumbags. Nobody cares about that. It's just you know he represents the ideal of the culture, which in both cases is a corrupt ideal. One is just you know architecture without art, which is ultimately what Gus Webb is. Uh, and then um, you know here it's just. Um, opposition to, you know, opposition to fossil fuels as, as the idea. So anyway, after that rant, Magda, tell us what happened with you in LA and Josh Fox and Bill McKibben. Oh yes. Uh, that's, that's the end of the movie, which is quite exciting, <laughs> especially for me. Uh, you know, we, we were trying to, um, tr- throughout the duration of, of, of the production process, we were trying to get to Josh Fox, you know, because we talk about him, you know, we talk about the claims that he made and it's only fair to give him voice in our movie and, and to feature him and to let him speak. Um, you know, um, to the discoveries that we made about Gasland and let him defend it potentially. So, um, you know, we were very um, optimistic about uh, a possibility that he's going to sit down with us and then we're going to look at all this and we're going to maybe, you know, come to to some... Oh, come on. No way. (laughs) You're optimistic that he is going to... I wish I I, I knew you back then. I wish we could have made a bet on that. I would have taken... (laughs) Really, I'm giving you really good odds on right. how on how well that's gonna go. Yeah, but that would make you feel bad because you would, you know, you would then end up taking money from from a poor Polish girl. So <laughs> at least that didn't happen. But I know I'm always optimistic about people. But um, you know what's what was weird about it um, is that that Josh, you know, talks to the media all the time. I mean, he talks, he gives you know, hundreds of public interviews. Um, he will talk, you know, to anyone but us, you know, which is, which is interesting. So that's why we thought, no, he is a reporter. He's a journalist. Film is a journalist. Film is a reporter. And, you know, um, Josh Fox will, will, will agree to, to talk to us. Uh, he did not, um, needless to say. And, um, you know, and we made many attempts, and those attempts are actually on camera in the movie. Um, you know, film found him, and actually, um, the first time he found him, uh, Josh answered, um, and that was a thrilling moment that we captured on camera. But when film um, introduced himself as the director of Frack Nation, 
uh, Josh just hung up. He hung up and he never answered his phone again. So, um, you know, our next best idea was to give him another chance and to go to a public event that he was um, taking part in with Bill McKibben in the Hammer Museum in Los Angeles. Um, so we went there with film and after the film, you know, did not interrupt his the Josh Fox presentation when he made uh, a numerous incorrect and outrageous claims um, about uh, about fracking, uh, but waited till the end. And then we approached him, um, you know, and we, we said, well, we were trying to phone you. You hung up. You didn't answer our calls. We would like to talk to you. And Josh um, does something that I don't, I do not fully understand. Actually, he just starts walking away from the camera very fast and he starts hiding, uh, behind people who uh, are there, um, at the Hamir museum and then uh, goes to the organizers, um, and tells them to, of the organizers of the event and tells them to, to basically shut us down, to, to stop us from filming. And I'm standing there with my little iPhone and, and filming all that. And the lady who's an um, outreach uh, director at the Hammer Museum, he, he, she's responsible for these kind of events, turns around and grabs the phone from my hand, my phone from my hand, um, and just takes it away. That's also on camera. Um, so, uh, well, I had no choice but to, to, to get it back. <laughs> and in the process of that... In the process, you, I, first of all, I'm a big believer in private property. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it, it was my phone. It felt very, very wrong that it was taken away from me. So, um, you know, I approach her and I, and I, and I take it back from her just the way she took it from me. <laughs> so in the process, I actually got a little bit, my hand gets a little bit hurt. Um, and that's also on camera and that's, um, that's the ending of the movie. So we, we have a spoiler here. <laughs> I, I I don't think that's going to disincentivize anyone from watching the movie. Oh, if anything, okay. if anything, I think, uh, yeah, that's definitely yeah made me. I remember hearing about that event. Uh, makes me wish I had I had gone. That might have been that might have been fun to uh, participate in. Mm. Um, yeah, it's it's really it's not surprising, but it's it's worth noting just how afraid he is of being in a setting that's not, you know, pampered, not, not catered, um, you know, to his particular set of uh, distortions and that, that doesn't put him on the pedestal because again, this is, this is not, I mean, he doesn't know anything like he, he has no, I mean, I think he is less sophisticated than say, you know, Mark Ruffalo or something like, you know, Mark Ruffalo could probably beat him in a debate, or I'd probably be more afraid of debating Mark Ruffalo than Josh Fox. But in any case, it's not like Mark Ruffalo is taking your questions. Either. Yeah, exactly. I mean, because <laughs> these guys are, I mean, and, and they're, why should they? I mean, they're weaned in an environment where they're, the unquestionable thing is that they are, they are doing essentially the right thing. And maybe they got a factor two wrong here. Maybe they, made up a lease they don't no one wants to focus and of course the, the more negative facts people won't focus on or the media won't focus on but but there's no question that they are basically good and if anyone comes along on the and they can sniff out that no you think there's something wrong or corrupt about them how are they gonna what are they gonna say to that i mean because they, they have nothing to they can't defend themselves 
Yeah, I mean, the most they can say is something empty about, oh, well, I, I was in a Tesla the other day and it was driven by a bunch of solar panels. And so why don't, and that's all renewable. And so they can show that they don't understand how a Tesla works or how solar panels are built. But they, they're just, you know, some empty thing about renewable energy. But really, their, their only contribution to life is to destroy it and, and to waste it through bad movies. Mm. Yeah, that's not, you know, that's not how they see it. And that's unfortunately not how media, you know, the mainstream media approaches them. Um, and this is why their reactions, because um, Josh Fox is just one of the, um, you know, anti-fracking activists that we approach in the movie. We we film a couple of process, uh, protests where, where film gets treated very badly by them. And um, their reactions are basically... Uh, very clearly showing that, as you as you said, that they do not have arguments to participate in a rational debate. That's why they they take away our cameras. That's why they try uh, to stop us from filming. That's why they walk away and hang up. Um, they're they're also unfortunately not used to being put in these uncomfortable situations where people are asking them actually, you know, in-depth questions about their beliefs, about their opinions, about fracking. Because the media did not do a great job, um, you know, covering this issue. The, the mainstream media and, and many of the reporters went and listened to one side of the story. They listened to the very few um, and to the outsiders and to the people who clearly, um, you know, are involved in, in, in campaigns against fracking and, and they feature their opinions and their claims. Um, and they did not question that. They did not look for, for backups for what Josh Fox, um, is saying about fracking. So, you know, they didn't do their job as journalists because they should, you know, looked, um, for, um, uh, for facts, you know, in his story and, and test them and question them and research them and then get back to him and ask him about that. And they did not do that. And so Josh Fox, you know, and, and people like him are in a very pleasant environment and relationship with the mainstream media where the journalist comes and listens and takes notes and nods and then writes the story the way you told him without checking it, without vetting it. Um, so it's not, you know, when you, when you understand that, it's not surprising that when film comes up, you know, and appears, um, they just don't know, um, you know, how to respond to that. And their own response is um, to walk away. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's funny because at least at one point someone says, like they don't, I forget who this is, but they don't believe that he's a journalist. And I, it struck me that, most people's, I mean, if you've ever been, I'm sure you've been interviewed by journalists. I have. The thing about journalists is no matter what party you are, usually they're overly sweet and saccharine towards you because they want to get you to talk. And then usually, you know, in general, if you're on the left uh, and you're not, they're going to smear you. And if you are on their side, they're going to make you look uh, really good. But in any case, the idea of a critical journalist like who's openly saying, look, I'm going to ask you tough questions and I'm, I'm going to write a fair story. That's not, that's not, uh, something that they're used to. And, and that's at, at the after party of the movie, I just did a little recording. That's one of the things I thought was so important about the movie is that finally someone did some real journalism and took this issue seriously and, and strive to explore it uh, honestly. And if you explore it honestly, I think you see that it's, uh, it's profoundly good. And, and, 
you know, it's sad that it took, you know, some, in a sense, outsiders, you know, raising money on Kickstarter, but nevertheless, it's really great you guys did this. Well, yes, and, uh, you know, you touched on something earlier, actually, that I wanted to go back to, because I think I can, you know, uh, being that, that, you know, person from outside and, you know, being, um, not being an American, actually, you know, gives me um, a a slightly different perspective that I just want to talk about for a while. You, you said something very important, which is that the reason, you know, they're being put on the pedestal and the reason they are allowed to run these campaigns and not being questioned about their claims is this uh, false premise that they have that they are saving us from uh, fossil fuels and from, uh, you know, energy production such as, um, you know, fracking for um, oil and natural gas. And that's why you know, people who who um, are slightly ignorant about this issue and will agree with them, they will automatically be on their side. And for them, in their eyes, Josh Fox and um, anti-fracking activists cannot do wrong because they, they are saving us, they are saving our planet. And, you know, I, I just wanted to briefly um, tell a story, uh, tell my own story. You know, I've been uh, born and raised in Poland. I only le- uh, left Poland when I was 21, I was in two- 2004. Um and Poland um, has historically been in all sorts of trouble, and we're doing a little better now. But um, we have many um, issues that um, people who are living there have to deal with, and one of them are extremely high energy prices. Um, gas in Poland, natural gas in Poland, uh, comes mainly from one supplier, which is Gazprom, which is a Russian company, um, you know, with links to the state and its leaders, Putin and etc. Um, and they're selling gas to us and other countries in Eastern Europe uh, at you know five times higher prices um, that that the price of natural gas in the United States. And when you consider wages uh, in Poland, which are multiple times lower than they are here, you know, you can see how that that is uh, very, you know, destructive to any sort of um, standard of living uh, over there. And I, you know, I had this experience. I mean, I, I, grew, I grew up in a, in a house where uh, a natural, a, a gas energy bill, gas bill arriving was a major drama. It was a major dramatic situation. My parents, you know, would open an envelope and sit and look at the numbers and there would be a, a you know, there would be a, you know, a, a sadness and a, and a discussion about how we're going to deal with this because um, the prices were just so high. And the way for us to deal with that, uh, with that was to um, ration, uh, basically, energy. Uh, you know, within our house, house, uh, household. So yeah, we would we would talk about how we have to, um, you know, let, uh, heat less water, for example. So we had a you know we had a boiler in our bathroom which was um, heated by uh, by gas and um, it would hold just so much water and you could fill it you know halfway or or or, or you could fill it full and. Um, Based on that, you know, that's how much hot water you had. So you had you had this boiler and you had to, um, you know, bath the whole family. So we would be like, okay, well, maybe, you know, um, you take a hot shower now. You know, I'm going to wait till the evening where there is a period of time where the gas is slightly cheaper, you know, to, to use. And then we heat up the water again. 
Well, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't think any of the people who are standing on the streets with the with the with the you know don't fracas signs are have have experiences anywhere you know close to to mine. And um, you know, it's the it's it's this type of ignorance that that is really destructive because. Um, because natural gas in U.S. Um, is doing a lot of good things for many people. And not everyone around the world has the same opportunity. And it's just sad to see that the people here, you know, do not see and do not appreciate that. So I wonder what your – that's and that, I love that, that. I mean, I love that story as in – I'm sorry you had to go through it, but it's it's a great story. I'm just imagining, you know, what if, what if a few of the household – Oops, what, what if a few ha- households on the street, you know, had access to, um, you know, shale gas and it was $3 in MCF, just how lucky they would be viewed as and how, how grateful they would be, or at least how excited they would be by that development. Absolutely. And, you know, and, and many people in Poland are excited right now because we do, uh, we do have shale gas and it's being, um, we're not there yet. We're not as advanced in, in, as U.S., but we're, we're, we're trying to get there. And there's many, um, you know, forward looking people who are, who are um, um, taking this issue and, uh, you know, they, they're promoting shale gas. They're showing the, the advantages that they can bring to the Polish people. Um, you know there are tests being made, and hopefully, hopefully, it's going to happen in in uh, Poland the way it happened in the US. But unfortunately, also, you know, we are part of European Union, and European Union has all sorts of ideas about fracking. And I'm sure some of the members, um, you know, of the of the European Union government um, have watched Gasland. So that's my fear that you know that something might happen that will stop this development of this technology and of natural gas production in Poland, which would be devastating, you know, for um, for the you know Polish economy and Polish people. It's something that you actually say, which is the danger of not fracking. You know, the danger of not fracking in Poland um, is um, you know has potentially very very bad consequences for for the future of of the Polish people. Yeah, I, I hope that the French, et cetera, don't sabotage it too much. Uh, it's it's just, I mean, yeah, European Union, it's, I mean, as bad as stuff in America can be, I'm really glad I don't live there. If you just look at Germany and, you know, there's an accident in, in Japan and no one dies due to nuclear-related causes and Germany just starts shutting down all their plants and then, telling the world, look, we're all renewable and building more coal plants at the same time. So, you know, not only do they impoverish themselves by shutting down all those nuclear plants, they're helping impoverish us by allowing Bill McKibben to say that, you know, Germany is the frontier of renewable and even though they're producing more coal. I mean, that's just that's just such a gang of anti-energy types. You know, the French at least used to be the ones who were pro-technology in terms of nuclear, like mm-hmm. recognizing that this is an amazing technology and that it is, um, you know, it's an amazingly safe way to produce energy. And now they're leading the charge on the anti-technology, anti-fracking movement. Yes, and the, uh, you know, I think I think though there is there is hope in the U.S. because when I look at the response and the support that we got from from people here, uh, I can see that that um, that there are people who are actually 
thinking about this issue and they're uh, thinking for themselves. They're not taking, um, you know, just the, the lines from, from people like Josh Fox and, and Bill McKibben. They actually research, um, you know, they, they watched our movie, they appreciated what it contributed to the debate. So, um, um, you know, I think, I think there is enough people here in America to um to stand up and and contradict all the all this craziness that is coming from from um Fox and other anti-fracking activists um i'm not sure if europe um you know is as lucky as 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 us is in that regards <laughs> well that's why we live in the us yes <laughs> uh, sorry to all the we have european people at cip <laughs> let alone in the audience uh, <laughs> but i'm sure a lot of them <laughs> I uh, would like to be here. So um, to wrap up, what's what's next for you guys? What's What are the priorities in terms of promoting the movie? And then do you know what the next movie is going to be? Oh, no. The priority right now uh, is just to get this movie to as many people as possible. I mean, we, you know, this has been a long road. We've worked on this, it feels like, forever. And only last night, it was when, when people, uh, you know, when, when a high, um, high number of people got to see it. So we hope that this is only uh, the beginning. As I mentioned, we have um, a store where we're selling the DVDs on fracknation.com. We hope everyone is going to buy a copy for themselves, their friends, their enemies. And that the movie is gonna travel this way, but we also hope that uh, we're gonna be able to, you know, to go out with them and talk to people and show them and organize screenings and and do many 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 other things. So that's that's our hope. Whether that's gonna happen, it depends on on many things. But we just want this film to be seen by as many people as possible. We feel it's important. Um, all right. So it's fracknation.com. Any final things you want to say? Um, well, just you know. Please watch the movie. You're going to enjoy it. It's a good movie. <laughs> All right. FrackNation.com. Magda, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Alex. Thanks again to Magda Segura for joining us. Again, make sure to check out FrackNation at FrackNation.com. Not too much to say at the end of the show, just that this, this is going to be one of the, if not the, issues of 2013 and so we at CIP are going to be all over it. And those of you who are supporters or listeners to this show, you want to be all over it too. And one thing I think you can do is just be on the lookout and let me know if there are any opportunities to speak up about fracking, to debate about fracking around the country. Because there there's debates actively in New York, um, in my area of Southern California, they're going to start coming up. They're all over the place. And you know, I think I think we at CIP have no honestly, I think we have the best, most effective arguments about it. We know how to frame the issue. And I really, really want us to be involved. We were involved last year, but even more so this year, I want to be involved, particularly at the state and local levels, where a lot of decisions about whether, you know, energy and prosperity are going to occur or whether unnecessary uh sort of um, unnecessary suffering is going to occur. And that that can often be determined by who are the voices that are heard. So I, I would like I'd like our message heard. I, in particular, I'll make my own personal voice heard as well as bring on any other CIP people as the as the case uh, arises. But but definitely let us know, and particularly if you're in the energy industry, look for opportunities for us to come and speak 
uh, would love to do some some debates on this topic. And that way we can get more involved. Also, if you are in a community and, and there's some other way we can help you, such as giving you materials, uh, let us know that as well. But this, this, like everything else CIP does, is ultimately a, a collaborative effort. Uh, it's our job to gain the expertise on the issues, to, to figure out how to explain things, to figure out how to really make it compelling to people, um, you know, without, without a network, you know, without our, our team, so to speak, we simply can't get the message out to the degree that we need to. So if you want to get involved, uh, think about how to leverage us, think about how we can leverage you. And in 2013, you know, CIP will be one of the leading promoters of hydraulic fracturing. And I think that, I think that'll do a lot of good. I think we'll show a lot of people how this is, this is a story of that, that should inspire them, that should excite them. And that, that this is, um, that, that this is really an industry that has overcome this amazing challenge of how do you get energy? How do you get energy from the world? How do you get energy from stone, for God's sake? And then how amazing the industry has been at minimizing the kind of safety challenges that come up with any, you know, anything in life, any kind of technology. Um, but we really need to view it as there are safety challenges in anything, but it's really, really remarkable how superior this is to just about any alternative. And it's certainly superior to the so-called alternative energy that doesn't produce any cheap, plentiful, reliable energy. I mean, that's, that's not even in the same uh, category. I mean, it's like saying, well, you know, standing still is safer than driving. Well, yeah, except you can't do anything and then you ultimately die just standing still. You don't die from driving, you die from standing still. The same thing is true with fracking. If you don't frack, you don't produce uh, cheap, plentiful, reliable energy, people die. So that that's a bit of a, of a somber way to put it. But the, the positive is we have this enormous opportunity. Um, a lot of the opportunity depends on people looking at it the right way. And we have all the tools to make them look at it the right way. It's just a matter of getting ourselves as large a megaphone as possible. So help us out with that. And of course, again, check out the documentary Frack Nation at fracknation.com, and we will be back next week. As always, if you want to contact me, love mail, hate mail, whatever, you can use email, you can call us, smoke signals, whatever you please. Next week, we'll be back. Another great topic, another great guest. Until then, I'm Alex Epstein. This has been Power Hour. Power Hour. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of energy. Power Hour. The antidote to shallow thinking about energy issues.